Is it crumb time? I don't know. Still got one more game under the weights. One more game. game rule. One more game. I think it's getting close. I think it. I think it's getting close. Connor, I cannot believe they made that comeback. What I couldn't believe was that their defense kept giving up massive touchdowns. For defense, it's usually really stout. This one was littered with big plays for the Calgary offense. Um, all Canadian on Tuesday, Connor O'Neill, Wade Zanketa, welcome in. If you haven't heard, the Ottawa Red Blacks won a second straight game in overtime with Dustin Crum at quarterback. And they did it in pretty spectacular fashion, can we say? Very spectacular fashion. Shout out Nate Bahar. Shout out Nate Barr. My word. Scores the go-ahead. Then scores the two-point in overtime to deliver the win. He has like he has like 180-some-odd yards in the last two games. Absolutely balling right now. Yeah, he's on a heater with Dustin Crum. And it's and you can hear it in the uh the post game with Britt Dort after Crum was saying, like, to have a guy like Bahar that you know is going to be open and create separation for you makes a world of a difference. Uh, and it's true. That's what Nate Bahar has always done for his quarterbacks. Yes, he can go downfield and make plays like we just saw with the go-ahead touchdown. But Nate lives underneath, lives over the middle, where he's going to take some hits. He's going to be physical, but he's going to be an outlet for your quarterback and make something out of it. And uh, it's awesome to see the uh, connection between Crum and Bahar. But let's not get lost in the other receivers that are here. One, Justin Hardy, 94 yards <laughs> and a touchdown. Uh, yes, please. He uh, he had a hell of a game as well. I, I, I'm really impressed with this Ottawa receiving core. And it almost feels like the odd man out at times is all-star receiver Jalen Acklin. What a beautiful thing to have when you're like, oh, wait, and we also have Jalen Acklin, who's going to make plays anytime we throw him the ball. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah, I was going to say, like, yeah, he's quote-unquote the odd man out, but he still caught five of his six targets for 60 yards in the game, and at any time they needed him, he was converting for – he was converting the first down or he was getting the extra yards, like – he wasn't the standout player in this game by any measure, but he was definitely, you know, one of the most impactful receivers on the field when given the opportunity to get the ball in his hands. And uh, let's go back to the defense here, Connor, because Jake Mayer threw for 450 450? freaking yards. What? And it didn't seem like it. But there is about a 100-yard touchdown. There is about a 50-yard touchdown to Michelle which were just feats of pure athleticism on his part. I will say the -the over-the-shoulder touchdown grab, yes, it was a beautiful catch. It was also a fantastically placed ball by Jake Mayer. Yeah, Mayer ripped that ball. Absolutely ripped that ball. I don't know. I, I was thoroughly impressed with Ottawa's offense. They seem to never want to commit to one running back, as annoying as it is it kind of works for them because they always have someone that's fresh and ready to go. Um, well, and I just... think 
with Dustin Crum in the backfield now, you kind of have you you have the opportunity to do that because Devontae Williams, 10 carries, 57 yards and a touchdown. Ante Milinovic, Litre, SFU grad at SFU, bring your freaking program back. 35 yards, seven carries, two touchdowns in the game. Dustin Crum himself took off nine times for 63 yards. You have two solid running backs that you can rely on and lean on. That's like, you know, north of 90 yards between Williams and, and Litre and another 63 from your quarterback. Like, they have a luxury in the backfield right now. They do. They do. And uh, I will say the prop bet was, what, 70 yards for Dustin Crum? Thank God Cam Judge was there spying for, like, the entirety of the second half because otherwise Dustin Crum would have obliterated that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I'm so impressed with Ottawa. And they've got to go back to Ottawa to play the Tigers with a chance at their third home win of the year i don't like i know we're gonna get to this on the thursday episode so i don't want to look too too far ahead but i really do think it's a winnable game for ottawa i think they tighten some things up on the back end limit big plays this is a winnable game stop 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 stop, right there every game is a winnable game for the ottawa red blocks when they have a freaking quarterback this team is loaded top to bottom yeah and we're seeing it now Finally, we have had four weeks of somewhat decent quarter. Like the Tyree Adams game, I don't really count. So we'll say we've had two weeks of really good quarterback play. But I mean, even, even resulted... Tyree Adams, you're right. He he was playing well. It, yeah. it was just an unfortunate circumstance. Like they put up a 40-burger and they put up 31 points on Winnipeg. I know the Winnipeg thing was like a, a really late comeback. It was a pick six that spurred it. But... Sometimes it's what it takes for a team to get moving in a season. Yeah, man, you got to you got to get those kind of ugly wins. You got to get those grinded out wins and shout out to them for that that comeback because I think that is going to kind of like what we saw last year with the Alouettes around week 10 where they found that spark. I think this is a similar case where Ottawa has found that spark and they're they're poised to go on a bit of a tear. But but, but, but enough about the Red Blacks because we are skipping over my favorite part of this entire game. First quarter, Jake Mayer drops, Mr. Back, into the po- drops back into the pocket and absolutely launches a ball to the Clark Barnes for a 54 yard touchdown. His first CFL touchdown of his career. Hell of a catch, hell of a play. Happy to see 14 get into the end zone. Uh, yes. The Clark Barnes, unbelievable day for him. Um, okay, but this is this is what we'd like to see from Jake Mayer. So we talked about stretching it. So Mark and Mitchell had uh, 95, plus he also had another long touchdown. I think it was about 30 or 40 yards. Trey Williams Dukes had a 45-er. Clark Barnes had his 54. Bagleton had an 18. Cole Tucker had 26. Unlike the usual Jake Mayer, where his – completion percentage is very tight to the line of scrimmage. He actually threw the ball downfield because they have weapons. Like, Mark and Mitchell is speedy. Trey Adams Dukes is speedy. Reggie Bagleton's a monster. Clark Barnes is Mr. Electric. They didn't even use Tommy Lee Lewis until they had a second down or a third down conversion to make an overtime. He looked speedy. Like, Philpott is out. He's speedy. 
these they have so many guys that Lee Henry, the fastest of them all. Like they have so many guys that they can use their speed to get downfield and take the tops off defenses. But they don't. And it's so frustrating. <laughs> but no, Jake Mayer, 450, four tubs. Huge day. Can we say that Calgary is starting to figure it out with Jake Mayer? In this game, 28 completions, 30, 38 attempts, 450 yards, four touchdowns. Last week, 26 completions, 37 attempts, 315 yards, two touchdowns. He's had some, I know he's had some down games this year. But he also has had a few other good games. If they, I think if they can keep this formula right now, Jake Mayer might be okay. Because again, like the Red Blacks, the Stamps, when healthy, have a load of offensive weapons. Uh, Montreal is probably going to shell them with uh, pressures, and it's not going to be pretty, I don't think. So it's, it a might test. Have... it's a test I'm waiting to see. Me too. Um, but... Enough on the Ottawa Red Blocks uh, and Mr. Crumb. Victor Crumb, just like Harry Potter. Crumb, Crumb, Crumb. <laughs> Not a Harry Potter guy? Okay. No, that was a great um, reference. That was a great reference. We can go all the way to the frauds, Edmonton, who covered the 14.5 point line. By 0.5. By 0.5. It was a 28-14 game. That's a tough look. I am not impressed. Just not impressed. Um, but Cornelius didn't look awful. But at this point in the season, what are you going to do? No. Yeah, he didn't look awful. 220 yards, touchdown, two interceptions. But, you know, he didn't look awful. And I think at this point, it's just kind of, you know, you made your bed, you have to lie in it. This is the guy that you decided to give franchise money to and he's your guy he's gonna be your guy has to be your guy i don't know uh i think the story here is just winnipeg consistently controlling ball games like yeah yes it was low scoring it was tied at the half winnipeg just came out and was like okay we'll put it to bed we're gonna run 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 this down the throat take a deep shot here or there to nick Dembski, like this this game was just controlled so well by the Winnipeg offense. There was never really a doubt. It didn't even seem like they were playing with any doubt when it was tight at the half. They're like, okay, well, we'll just keep doing what we're doing and eventually we'll pull ahead. And sure enough, you look down, all of a sudden Brady Oliveira's at 110 yards. What? Where'd that come from? They've just been chipping away the whole time. Then he pops off one 20 yarder. And it's like, oh, wow. <laughs> there they go. Um, Kenny Lawler is back. Certainly is. Certainly is. And he led the team in targets in his first game back. Nine targets, oh. seven catches, 93 <clears throat> yards. Classic Kenny Lawler, except for, you know, we didn't get a circus catch touchdown from him, but all things considered, this was a classic Kenny Lawler game. Okay, I want to talk about the the long completion that wouldn't have been if they hadn't ran to the line and gone it off in time. The placement of the ball and the direction of the play makes such a huge difference. So if Kenny Lawler does that play on the Edmonton sideline, Chris Jones flags on the ground as soon as the guy gets up. 
But because it's over on the Winnipeg side, they have to wait, and then they have to see it on the replay. And then by the time the replay is done, they're going, whoa, was it a catch or not? Yeah, no, no, that wasn't a catch. Get ready to throw the flag. And then Zach Lewis has already got the next play done and over with. <laughs> it's just such a it's a lucky turn of events because that ended up sparking kind of their offensive attack through Kenny Lawler, right? Like that was a big 28-yard reception where it was like, oh my God, he just made this phenomenal play. And then the second they showed the replay, everyone's like, oh, he did not catch that at all. No, but I mean, credit where credit's due. I mean, that that's smart football by Winnipeg. Just line up, run the play. Don't even give them an opportunity to get the challenge flag down. No, and uh, the Bombers, 5-2, and two, but they feel like a hell of a lot stronger than that record. Of course, the loss to Ottawa, the loss to uh, BC as well, but with BC's quarterbacking situation kind of going up in the air at this point, who knows? And with Toronto already having two of their bye weeks done before August, it could be a really long backstretch for the Argos, as good as they look right now. So Winnipeg is just going to keep on keeping on. Heavy run game, shots down the field, and a suffocating defense. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, yeah, I mean, Winnipeg 5-2, and say what you will about it, but you don't win the Grey Cup at Week 8, and... You know, I, I, there's nothing about this Winnipeg team that's making me nervous right now. Nothing at all. Zach Laris threw for 300 last game. Brady Oliver went for 110. They still have a pretty intimidating defense. Like, I, I'm not worried. Bombers fans, I don't think they're worried either. All right. Uh, what do you want to do? BC, Watermelon Smash, or Argos, Battle of the QEW? Let's go to the Argos because I think that one's going to be a pretty quick talking point. Like, really, Toronto dominated that game from start to finish. Hamilton never really in that one, in my opinion. Chad oh, Kelly okay. out there doing Chad Kelly things. The man Dejan Brissett, first play of the game. <laughs> wow. Wow. Don't talk about a statement. Get your team up and going. Wow. That's a good way. Um, now with Toronto Connor, this this secondary continues to amaze me. They're just they're so athletic. They they get their hands on seemingly any ball that comes near them. Like it is it is a sight to see. And they have an embarrassment of riches at corner since Stiggers has turned out to be such a great player. Oh yeah, he's an absolute stud. I mean, we're like I tweeted it last week. I'm out here talking about Clark Barnes should be in the, the conversation. We had this conversation too last week on the podcast, but Clark Barnes should be in the conversation for, you know, or early conversations for rookie of the year, as should Austin Mack. But let's not forget about Stiggers too, because this dude's coming out to play some damn football in Toronto. Hell yeah. Um, <clears throat> Powell, thoughts on him with Hamilton? I think he did what he needed to do. Like, I don't really have, I don't really have much negative things to say about him. I don't I don't really have any negative things to say about him. Sure he threw an interception, but it's his it's you know his first impactful game of the 2023 season. He went for 27 completions over 200 he went for 283 yards. Kind of kept pace with 
with Kelly in terms of, you know, yardage and throwing the ball. And he added 37 and a touchdown on the ground. Like I, I, there's nothing that you can say negative about Taylor Powell in this game. I think that given the situation in the, in the quarterback room in, in Hamilton right now, there's nothing you can really ask more of Powell except for steady improvement each game. Uh, I did see a report. I think you probably saw it too, but Bo's back in pads. That doesn't mean he's going to start this week by any stretch. So I think if, if Powell can come out this week and, and do some similar things and just kind of keep doing what he's doing, you can't ask much more than that. He is doing his job as the emergency backup quarterback. Um, I want to point out one difference between the two, Powell and Chad Kelly. Well, Chad Kelly's playing with all the damn confidence in the world. Well, it's not just that. AJ Olette, 8.4 yards per carry. Taylor Powell led his team in rushing. <laughs> James Butler had 1.8. And I know they were down big early at the half. You kind of just have to start throwing for the fences. But when you have a young quarterback, throwing the ball 41 times in your first career start, that's a lot to ask of a kid. And I know that he did all right with it. Like 283 is a good number. Um, they have the receivers to do this, but their star is James Butler. They can never abandon him. And it puts you really on an island and isolates you. And if you're going to try and do this against Ottawa, you need James Butler toting the rock as many times as freaking possible. Because it opens up those receivers downfield. Ta-da! It does. It, it does. I agree. But I think what Toronto did really well in this one is they took him away early in the game. Then they went up 21 to three at the half. And at that point, you're sunk. You can't you can't really rely on James Butler to to make up that lead on the ground. At that point, when it's when it's 21 to three going into the third quarter of the game, you are Toronto forced Hamilton to start taking those shots, start looking downfield, start trying to make plays downfield. And they did a really good job of taking the game out of James Butler's hands. Yeah. Okay. Let's move to BC Saskatchewan. Cool fact that everyone's kind of throwing around when uh, VA went out with injury. Dane Evans, Mason Fine, two uh, indigenous quarterbacks playing on the same football field for opposing teams. Pretty cool. Uh, pretty cool to have happen. I was uh, really happy to see Dane actually get back in the game. Because I think last year, like, they put up the stats, just did him so dirty. 16 touchdowns, 16 picks. Okay, yeah, but we know that, like, half those picks are all tip passes. <laughs> like, Yeah, I, I'm with you. I want to start there. I want to start on Dane Evans in this one. Because should Vernon Adams be out? Should he hit the sixth game? Or should he be out longer than that? Like, based on what we saw from Dane in this game, I'm fine. If he is your quarterback in B.C., the talent is there. The roster is there. The defense is there. Dane Evans with a with a good roster behind him. I think he's going to be fine. He delivered. He came in, hit 16 passes over 200 yards through the touchdown. He's going to be fine. Like I, I have confidence in him. Yeah, and uh, they reported yesterday that it was structurally stable, so they did, weren't completely ruling him out, but Perfect. Why not? Just give him a week off. 
You're yeah. playing Ed- you're playing Edmonton for Christ's sake. Just give Dane Evans the go for this week. Um, it's not going to make or break your season if Vernon Adams misses a week eight game against the Elks. It's going to make or break your season if he comes back and gets hurt for the rest of the season yes. against the Elks. Um, I'm so happy for Dane Evans to be in this spot, though. They have the weapons. Like, he's just going to – he can be conservative, as conservative as he wants. Yeah. No, I'm with you. Two shots a game, and they can still control the pace. They can still control the offense. Um, I I'm really excited for this. And when you have a defense like BC has, <laughs> it's uh, it's a nice little blessing to have in your back pocket. No, I'm with you. Dane Evans is not a bad quarterback. Dane Evans just had a bad a bad go in 2022. Hamilton had a bad go in 2022. Has Hamilton looked like a quarterback could succeed there in 2023, even, Connor? No. No. So, maybe it wasn't Dane's fault. No, I understand (laughs) things run their course and you have to move on and you have to try something new. But I think this is a great spot, a great situation for for Dane to be in. Even if he only gets, you know, let's say he gets the start next, next week against Edmonton. Maybe he gets one more after that. Even if he only gets... This plus two more starts. I still think it's a really good situation for him to be in. He's probably the best backup quarterback in the league right now. Hey, it's not a bad title to have. No, not at all. Okay. Uh, We're going to move to a bit of U sports action because let's be real. BC's defense just kind of suffocated and there's not a whole lot to say about that that game. They held him to three field goals all game. That's all you need to know. They're just so impressive. Um, okay, let's go U Sports. Connor, we're like a couple weeks out from training camp. Ooh, I'm excited. When we're looking at early favorites, where are you going? Does it even need to be said? Laval's yes. whole roster is coming back. Laval is the early favorites. Arnaud's coming back. Kevin Mittal is coming back. Constantine's still there, and he's still probably... He won the Vandy last year, but I bet he's still pissed off. I bet he still has a chip on his shoulder. My my not early yet, favorite yet, to yet. win the Vanier is the Laval Rouge Or. That is a damn talented football team. Yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, I believe... I believe the UTEC Bowl coming up this year is uh, AUS against RSEC. If the rotation works, because RSEC has played... They played Western last year. Yeah, and they played Saskatchewan the year before. So to me, that means the rotation then goes to RSEC, AUS, OUA, CanWest. CanWest should host this year. I believe they should. Like they've been on the road the last two years, and our section host this year. So you're gonna get Laval going through X or Mount A, and you're gonna get the UBC T Birds hosting the Queens Gales. Yes, I agree with that statement. 
come at me. This is my <laughs> no. I, just, I think I've just made my bull prediction in week negative four. <laughs> no, but I I agree wholeheartedly. Like I think you know we started off top. Laval has to be the the favorite for the Vanier. I like your pick of of Mount A or X for the AUS. I think in the OUA, if there's going to be a year, if there's going to be an opening, if there's going to be an opportunity for the Queens Gales to get back to the first Vanier Cup since 2009, it's this year. It's with this team. It's with Alex Freakin leading under center. And I, I absolutely think that UBC has an opportunity to be the best team in the Can West this year, especially when you look at what the roster holds top to bottom. The JP Metris Trophy winner in Theo Benedet is coming back to captain that offensive line. Geo, Geo's back. Geo's back. back. Isaiah Rooker's Knight is healthy. back in the backfield. And Garrett Rooker is healthy. Um, okay, so let's pause and talk about Queens here for a second. I know we've mentioned this before, but you talk about how it's with Alex freaking leading. And to me, Connor, yes, Freakin is a huge part in this, and he's ultimately going to make the difference. But Ethan Martin is back. Keegan Vanek is still there. Hubert is is still there. Darian Newell is still there. This team is so stacked defensively. All of their guys are back, it seems. And in terms of offense, they've got Jazz, is still going to be playing. They've got a couple other offensive linemen that were East-West Bowl caliber. They're getting back. They're two from the CFL draft. Like, we're going to be looking at a Queens team that is loaded with guys that have not only been to two straight Yates Cups and have lost and have that bad taste, but we're talking about a group of guys that are experienced. They're at the top of their field in terms of youth sports athletes and CFL caliber players. And they seem to just churn out running backs. My only question for Queens is who is your game breaker out wide? Who is the guy? Not saying that Richard Burton isn't a great receiver and a really good one in the OUA, but who is your guy that can flip your field, take the team 60 yards in one play, and just kind of go, oh, right, yeah, that hurts. That stings on the defensive side of the ball. Um, we saw, let's talk about the teams last year, right? Zachary Kareem was that for X. Whenever they needed it, big play. Perry, Morin, out with Saskatchewan, could make the big plays downfield. Savon Magne-Jones, Kevin Mattel, the Heck Crichton winner. Mims, right? like when Yasmo. you look at. When you look at the top four teams last year, yes, they all had good offensive lines and good defenses and good quarterback play, but they all had that one guy who makes a defense go, hey, this guy can't get loose or we're in trouble. And I'll be interested to see who takes that role for Queens because they have some high-level recruits. They have some really good, talented young players on their team. But who is taking that step in the receiver room to say, I'm the damn dude. <laughs> you, you need to watch for me because this is going to be what makes or breaks their season in my eyes. If they have that number one threat, Connor, teams can't just stack the box on and play tight and blitz freaking because he'll just uncork one and let them get beat deep. Um, Queens, though, is the dog to beat. 
I know Western is ranked number one to end the year, and Queens lost pretty handily in the eighth cup. But Connor, it's a new season. There's a lot of changes to be made. How will Western look without Ed Bonatti being in the backfield? It's Queens is the top dog, and they're ready to go. The coaching staff is ready to go. Gosh, they are amped for this. A chance to play in your own backyard for a Vanier Cup. They've got a long way to go to get there. But I think it's doable. I think so, too. I, I really think so, too. And I think uh, just to circle back on your point and play play a little bit of devil's advocate here on the kind of game-breaking receiver. Yeah, I definitely think it will be immensely helpful for Alex Freakin to have that guy. But I think if we go back to when we asked uh, Coach Steve Snyder about Cam Lawson leaving, he made a really good point that, you know, you don't necessarily need the one guy, but if you have three guys that can make up for that one guy, that was kind of their philosophy following that. And I, I think that can also be applied to the offensive side of the ball. Even if they don't have that one receiver game in, game out, if they have three receivers who at any moment can be that guy, then I think that also will translate to, you know, freaking finding success and freaking being able to, like you said, uncork them downfield. After after Richard Burton last year, Connor, the next biggest receiver in terms of yards per game was Aiden O'Neill. Then you had Falcone down below, and he was kind of isolated out wide. Um, Quamo was there, but he's not – He's not overly a burner. Like when we talk about some of the guys at the top of this list, like we get Basiliga, Jordan, uh, Kasim Ferdinand, Savon, uh, Janusis from Guelph, Oladejo, like Jackson Cooling, Oladejo. Like these are guys that fly around the field. Yeah. And Queens didn't have that last year. I'm not saying they don't this year because there's a lot of new places, new faces that we're going to see. Um, but I'm excited. Do you have a dark horse to win any conference? My dark horse, honestly, was was, and it's not really a dark horse, but my dark horse to win to win the conference was UBC in the Can West. I, I think we both feel the same about that roster, and I I think that we are going to see a resurgence out of the UBC T-Birds like this could be, I'm not saying it's going to be this type of caliber, but this could be, you know, 2015 esque for UBC. It could. And I, I don't know if their quarterback play matches. I know Rooker is very talented, but like they were, they were fifth in the country last year in terms of yards per game. They, they put the ball on the, on the ground a lot. They threw the ball a lot with very good success, and I don't think that's going to change given their offensive line that are coming back. Um, but, Connor, like, UBC to me isn't a dark horse. With Saskatchewan, we don't know what's going on at quarterback. Calgary think, looked really young. I think Regina could find some success this year, too. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if UBC and Regina are battling it out for 1-2 at the end of the season. Yeah, like, Regina might be the dark horse in all honesty. Like, they had a a bottom end offense, but their defense was fantastic last year. And I think everyone really expected this Mark McConkie team to go and take that next step, find that next level. Um, and they never really got a hold last year. Um, 
I, I, I like Regina as a possibility here. Yeah, I, I really do too. They have, they have another dark horse that I think uh, we could find ourselves looking at at the end of the season in the AUS, set it off top, Mount A. I think Mount A could really give teams a hard time in the AUS this year, especially teams like X. The the thing that I struggle with some of the AUS teams being dark horses is they're so defensive heavy. Like even just look at the I know this is stat sheet surfing, but yards per game. Acadia was twenty sixth out of twenty seven. Mount A is twenty fifth out of twenty seven. Smew is twenty first. X meanwhile is tenth. Oh, Bishops is 19th, by the way. I forgot them. Um, when you look at who could possibly dethrone X, someone has to make a complete 180 in their offensive gameplay for me to challenge a team like X because you have to score points. Your defense can hold someone to nine, but if your offense can't even put up a seven, you can't expect to win games, right? Like, you need something some kind of juice on offense to dethrone St. Francis Xavier. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, what you and I are waiting to see this year is, is there a team in the AUS that has the capability to put up points and keep up with the offensive talent of St. Effects? And that's a big question mark right now. In terms of defenses, Connor, like they've got, some really damn good players like uh, Royer uh, with Bishops, Daniel Bell, who we've talked about already today. I'm, I'm excited to see if someone can put up that offense, but until proven otherwise, it's got to be X that you're riding with. Yep. No, I, I agree. I definitely agree with that. All right. Do you have anything else? OUA season kicks off August 26th. OUA TV is free. Get in on it. <laughs> uh, we will be starting our team previews as well coming up here at the start of the month. So uh, please stay tuned for that as well. Um, if you want to get in on some of your coaching boards or you just purchased a boat to finish out the summer, head over to fox40shop.com and the code CFP15. Gets you 15% off your order. You can buy anything you want on their site and get a discount. Why not? CFP15 at fox40shop.com. Pawn checkout and get in on the action with the worldwide leader in Whistle Tech. And to close out the episode, as always, you know where to find us at CF Perspective, at Wade's Inc., at Connor R. O'Neill, at TSN Marsh. Touchdown Atlantic coming up this week. Marsh is going to be there. So keep it locked to his stuff. He's probably doing a ton of really cool stuff. We're going to keep going with the gambling, the previews, the fantasy, even though I suck. We had, a rebound week. we had a rebound week. Don't worry about it. We'll catch you on Thursday when I give you more terrible fantasy plays.